0: Amen. Give it up for your salt staff, please. Because they're great. Yes. Yeah, I get to work with student ministry here. It's a blast. I'm still kind of recovering from youth camp we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, I lost in a spike ball uh, competition with against Riley and Caden, if you guys know those guys. They're here in this room, so I just have painful flashbacks of that. Um, but, yeah, I've been around for a bit. I grew up in Salt Company. I'm so grateful for the ministry to college students that's here at Veritas because it was a huge Formative time in my walk with Jesus, and so it's a blessing for me to be here. Um, but Nicole failed to share the two best parts of my life, and those are my wife, Michaela, of five years. She's amazing, I hope you guys get to meet her sometime around here at Veritas, and our sweet daughter, Adeline. Uh, she's two, and she's spunky, and she loves to dance and sing, and she sings Let It Go, like on command. It's the best thing ever. Uh, you'll hear more about her later. Um, not in a great way, but, <laughs> but uh, she's sweet, and we love her a lot. But I'm excited to jump into your guys' This series along with you in Philippians. So go ahead and turn to Philippians 2 if you're not already there um, and continue on this series of a summer of joy. I hope it's going well. I hope that this series in this place, specifically these people around you have been encouraging you in your joy as we, you've been in God's word. You've been seeing these amazing examples of who Jesus is and God at work in his people in the Philippians. And I hope your joy is growing. But I wonder that when you leave this place, that when you go off into your workplaces, maybe you're taking summer classes. God bless you if you're taking summer classes. Um, the difference things that you're doing if you feel like you're kind of surrounded by people that aren't as joyful. Maybe you feel like you're surrounded by darkness, by people that that don't know and love Jesus, and that kind of impacts you a bit, and you struggle. Like, Politics season is kicking up into gear. I don't know if you guys are excited about it. I'm not super excited about it because it's all these people that are promising us change. Like, the world needs to change. There's brokenness over here. There's inequality over here. And these are all things that we want to change. Like, you all here, you're going to college, you're in the workforce, you want to see the world change, right? Like, you know the world is broken. But the question is, like, when we are surrounded by so much brokenness, like, what can we do? Like How can we make a difference in a world that is so broken? And, and what's encouraging is that a bro- living in a broken world is nothing new to followers of Jesus. That's not like a new theme. The, the church has been growing in a broken world for a long time. And Paul is writing to the Philippians that are, they're stuck in a corrupt city. They're stuck in a broken world. And we're going to read here tonight. When Paul, he calls the Philippians to be children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The world the Philippians are in is crooked and twisted. It's a it's a city that's full of darkness, morals bent towards evil, idolatry, and selfishness. And his call to the Philippians is to be marked by integrity and goodness, that they would be beacons of truth, hope, goodness, purity, and love, lights in a dark world. Have y'all ever been home when uh, the lights went out at night? Like... Darkness, <laughs> power outage, and you're just like left stumbling around. You're like, oh no, I like where, where are things? Like you're walking around the house, you stub your toe on the wall, you try not to cuss under your breath because you're like, what's going on? And you, you can't see. You don't know what's going on. And hopefully, like most of us, we have our phones in our pockets like all the time, so you can just like whip out your phone and you're good, you're fine. Um, but like if you don't have your phone, you're left wondering like, where do I go? What do I do? Like, how do I live because it's dark and I can't see where to go or what to do? We, like, need light to see, to live, and to thrive. And this is just a little anecdote from my life. Uh, I would love when the lights would go out as a kid because we'd light candles and then play Monopoly. Does anyone like playing Monopoly? Probably not. I only liked playing Monopoly as a kid. I don't like it anymore. But that was just something I loved. But something... Like, whether it's a flashlight, whether it's a candle, like, it doesn't matter what, but we need light to live. And so, Paul encourages the Philippians hey, you guys are surrounded by darkness. You're in the midst of darkness. You're surrounded, but you can make a difference by being a community of light. Just like a candle that's lit in a dark room, you can make a difference. So the question is, how do we be a community of light? Like, what does that look like? How can we do that? So let's jump in to see what Paul has to say to the Philippians. So we'll be in verse twelve through eighteen, and we'll just jump in at verse twelve. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So this chunk of the letter here, it starts with a therefore. And I don't know if you've, you guys have probably heard this Bible trick, but whenever there's a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. That's right. You guys are great Bible scholars. That's fantastic. You need to know what came before this text so that we can understand more of what's going on in this text. And Caleb preached last week on the humility and exaltation of Jesus, right? How in Christ we are free from the slavery of selfishness. And we're freed from that because of Jesus coming, being a servant, being obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. And this amazing reality that Jesus would humble himself in this way. And now he is Lord. He is exalted as Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul is calling the Philippians to think on this as he refers to them as his beloved. Hey, my dear friends, would you lean lean in here as I encourage you? Because you guys have been obeying. You have been obeying the words that I have spoken. And I'm going to be gone now, but I want you to continue to obey even in my absence. You know, I'm stuck in prison, but that doesn't mean you guys just stop doing what you've been doing. So in response to Jesus' humility and exaltation, obey me obey God's word obey God's way now being challenged to obey isn't fun Right, like that's not like a something we get up excited to think about, especially if it's coming from like your your professor. Like you need to go do this work. They hopefully never say obey because that would, would just be weird, right? Um, it makes us the word obey makes us think of like when our parents would leave us with a babysitter and they say, okay, you guys make sure that you obey them because we're gonna go, we're gonna go on a date, and uh, when we come back, if I hear you've like not been in line, then we're gonna have a conversation, right? and that conversation was never good. So the word obey, it doesn't give a good connotation, but This is less like me telling our daughter Adeline, hey, be kind and good while you're being watched by your babysitter while we go out. And it's more of a coach telling their team, hey, there's a championship coming up, so let's make sure we're continuing to do what we've been doing to practice so that we can keep this on track for this goal. Like, I'm going to be gone for a bit, but that doesn't mean slacking off here. We need to continue on to this ultimate goal, and for This ultimate good of this team. So let's get after it. And so Paul says, work out your salvation. This isn't Paul telling the Philippians, hey, figure out if you're saved. That's not what he's saying. It means figure out what it means that you're saved. As a people, as a community that's been ransomed by Jesus. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, work it out. Physically exert yourself and push yourself to understand what it means that Jesus would humbly sacrifice himself on the cross to save each and every one of you and to bring you into a community together like work that out process through that think about it and and do this with fear and trembling be shook with the awe of the greatness of God and the mercy of God because having awe in the greatness of God's work through Jesus on the cross drives a community to grow in obedience now question for you guys when was the last time you like really pushed yourself to to wrestle with the gospel and what it means for you. When you stopped and were like, man, how does the gospel like impact my life right here, right now, today? In this, in this situation, when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling sad, when, when was the last time that you just stopped and like, wrestled with the, the greatness of the gospel for you and then for your community, for the people around you, When would you think about how does the gospel, how does Jesus dying on the cross and raising me to new life change how I interact with the people that I'm around and really wrestled with that? And maybe it's been a while. Maybe that's not been. Oh, boy. Woo. We're good. Can you help me, brother? Thank you. Let's go, John. Give it up for John. All right, pause that while I figure myself out again. Oh, boy. One, one, two, three, nine, four. I'm almost there. Almost there. Thanks, John. John, you're a great dude. Thanks for your help. All right, we'll try this again. I'll try not to kick this off the stage. All right, cool. When was the last time? And maybe it's been a minute. Maybe it's been a minute since you like really wrestled with the gospel in those ways and maybe that has led you to being lax in your obedience maybe it's made you content with the way that you've obeyed god so far so like you feel like you followed god's word enough you're living christ-like enough and you're just you're content that you're better than last year which is good we praise god for the works of trans transformation that he does in our life but then maybe we've gotten to a point where it's like ah, i don't really need to push myself further. Like, I don't need to keep wrestling with this gospel to see how it impacts my life. And if you feel like either of those areas resonate with you at all, um, how has that impacted your walk with Jesus? How has it impacted your joy in Jesus? And how has it impacted your relationships with people in your community? If you felt like, you know, like, I've I've gotten— I've gone far enough. Like I'm sanctified enough. I'm holy enough in these areas, guys. We we can't grow content with our obedience. We don't stop growing in our light in being Christ-like until we've come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians. And let's be real, we're just not there yet. You're with me, right? We're not. We're not there yet. There's there's some really incredible people in this room, and I'm really encouraged by so many in this room, but we're we're not there yet. We're works and process, and we want to continue to grow to obey God's word, to be more like Jesus, because Jesus is the ultimate light of the world, right? That's the, that's what he says. He's the light of the world, and so we grow in obeying his word, so we can be a community of light. And so our first kind of landing point here is a, a community of light obeys God's word in awe of God's work. We, we obey God's word by being awe of what he's done th- through Jesus. So that way we can be a community of light. But the question is then, okay, sweet. Uh, that's, that's a way to be a community of light, obey God's word. But what does this obedience look like? What, is, what do we do? So let's read verses 14 through 18 now and keep on going. Paul says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should all be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul gets going this section with, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. So like, no muttering under your breath, no complaining about people who bother you, no disagreements or petty fights that sounds tough is anyone <laughs> is anyone in the room here like man that sounds kind of hard cuz i complain a lot now i know there's a few of you guys in the room that um you're just like super godly and like we all know who you are you like never complain about anything you never get into a fight and that and that's awesome that's incredible but the rest of us in the room are like that's tough that's tough when things are going on, especially when we think about like, okay, um, I'm trying to think about how I could do that just around my friends or my coworkers or my roommates and my, my parents when I'm with them or my family. And Paul is calling the Philippians, hey, don't do not do that, but be blameless and innocent. Have integrity. Be above reproach. Set yourselves apart from the world. And I actually think this is kind of encouraging that Paul is bringing this up because it says something about the church in Philippi. It it tells me that, man, they're still growing too. Like they're dealing with conflict in not a great way. And Paul is having to write to them to tell them, hey, this is what you guys need to do to continue to obey God's word. And it's tough, but we're works in progress. God's working in us and on us. And he gives this charge to them because it's important for them to do. It's important for their their witness as a community who obeys God's word, for them to be a community of light, who practices what they preach. Last week, you guys read that they were to count others more significant than yourself. So if that's something that the church is preaching count others more significant than yourself. And then the church is getting into all these fights about, like, the color of carpet and the loudness of music and, like, getting my way or the highway and these different things. Like, that would be messed up, right? Like, that would be pretty ridiculous. And you guys probably don't really care about the color of the carpet, I'm guessing. Anyone here like really passionate about the color carpet? You probably should care that like our carpets got cleaned this last week because if you were downstairs at all, you saw coffee stains all over the place and it was rough, so we're thankful they are clean now. Uh, but that would be ridiculous to care about those things. That's not really what we should fight about. But do you guys struggle with being patient if like people mess something up for you? Or do you guys like are you slow to forgive if someone is wronged you? Or are you quick to complain when things don't go your way? Like just this Saturday, I don't know if you went to the balloon glow. Anyone went to the balloon glow? The balloon glow balloons like didn't come until like nine o'clock. And I was really struggling the whole time not to complain. I, I only had one friend that was there. You guys should check it out this year. But stay till nine because that's when the balloons come out. But I was it's hard to not complain. And guys, we are all people in process. And God, in his grace, is here for us to continue to work in us. And it's okay because the church is a hospital for sick people. But it is essential for the sick to know their need for medicine, right? It's essential for the sick to know their need for medicine. Because if we cling to our sickness of sin and anger and self-righteousness or selfishness or entitlement... That leaves a blemish on the character of the church. Like, what's the number one reason people typically leave the church today? At least what they'll say. One word, it starts with an H. Hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy. Because hypocrisy is when broken people are acting like they have it all together and are better than everyone else. And that's a blemish, a tarnish, a mark that distorts the reputation of the community of light. It's like when your headlights are really scratched up. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys on your car, but you're like trying to drive at night and you can't really see and you realize it's because your headlights are like totally distorted and marked up from old age. My Toyota Solera is a 04, so it's really old. And so that happened to it. But That's like unrepentant sin in the light of the church. Unrepentant sin in the church leads to a muted light. It harms the reputation of the church and it distorts the image of the gospel to the world around us. And that's why as a community we must hold fast to the word of life. As Paul says in verse 16, holding fast to the word of life of life. And that means, that word hold fast means both clinging to the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. We need to believe the gospel for ourselves and see how how Jesus' work on the cross impacts our community. Like individually, we need to think through that, but then we need to share it with each other. We need to share it with each other. We need to apply the medicine of the gospel to each other's sins and and as we correct one another and challenge each other to repent of our sin and grow in obedience our sin gets used to amplify the light of the gospel the glory of god is displayed through that because everyone knows humans aren't perfect everyone agrees they'll say you know i'm not perfect i'm just human everyone knows that but only christians know how imperfect people can change while unrepentant sin in the church mutes the light of the gospel, repentant sin in the church magnifies the light of the gospel. It demonstrates its life giving, transforming power and nature. And how amazing is it when we are transformed by the gospel and we do count each other's other more significant than ourselves? when we respond to their sin against us with grace and mercy, because Jesus has shown us that grace and mercy, when we are quick to advocate for people, when people are gossiping about them because Jesus is our advocate, when we encourage each other in the midst with, with joy in the midst of hard seasons because we know we have this hope of eternity because of Jesus, when we help people reconcile differences, like these are all ways that, that sin gets met with the gospel and just amplifies and shows the beauty of the gospel. And how beautifully does the light of the gospel shine in darkness in those times? It's amazing. And in this, I can't help but think that Paul is referencing Jesus speaking in the Sermon of the Mount when he talk, tells the Philippians to be lights in the world i'll read it for you guys and it'll be on the screen matthew five fourteen through 16 you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp but put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house and in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven this light of the gospel transforming people's hearts leading us to show God's love and do God's works in the world and God gets the glory and it's amazing thinking about candles again when we when we seek to live changed by the gospel as a community and share the gospel it's like a candlelight service on steroids have you guys been to a candlelight service recently or maybe a Chris, christmas at veritas like it's it's amazing What happens? Because, like, they turn all the lights off, and then a couple people with a candle come out, and then they start. Lighting the candles down the line and you like, you watch it grow. You watch the, the lights start lighting up and then you see like there's a toddler and you're like, please tell me that they didn't give a toddler a candle. because <laughs> like, we don't want to cause a fire. And then all of us have to run out of the room. But it, it grows and it grows and it grows. And it fills this once dark room with an incredible amount of light. And in that we see that like, you know, one candle... In a dark room, it, it shines distinctly, like you see it, but not very brightly. But a sea of candles, it, the, the light just magnifies, and it, and it creates a huge impact on the whole room. And that's what happens as we apply the gospel to our lives, to the community that we love's lives, and share the gospel with others. The light of the gospel just grows as it transforms people's hearts and lives. And we are marked by the gospel and not our sin. Instead of a a blemish of hypocrisy on the church, we are we're seen as people that, yeah, we're broken, we're in process, but Jesus is transforming us. And my life is evidence of that. And so in that we see a community of light seeks to be marked by the gospel. To shine in a dark world. A community of light seeks to be marked by the gospel to shine in a dark world. For the glory of God our Father and not our own. So quick review on our quick points. A community of light obeys God's word in awe of God's work. And seeks to be marked by the gospel to shine in a dark world. And boiled down into one quick point. A community of light obeys God's word to change God's world. But how do we grow in obedience? Like, sure, we're to to obey, and we see these practical ways that we can obey. But what if we don't want to? Like, what if we really struggle with the desire to obey God's word? Or what if, like, we try and we just struggle to do it. Like we've we've tried in this area and that area of our lives. And we just feel defeated and weak because we aren't growing in obedience to God's word. Like what do we do? Do we just work harder? Do we just do better, be better, Just just work it out? No, the answer isn't found in us just working it out harder. Just work out hard enough and i will figure it out. The answer is found in God being at work in us. So you might have noticed I skipped verse three. We're gonna jump first thirteen. So we're gonna read that now. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's like it's like Paul saying here, like, my friends. Remember how God saved you in the first place. Like God's at work in you. He works in you. Remember how you were lost in the selfishness of your sin? You were dead in your trespasses, but then God made you alive. He made you believe that Jesus died for your sins and was risen from the grave. He he made that connection in your heart for you. He did that. And the very power that he used to raise Jesus from the grave, he works continually in you to help you live with him and to obey his word. And if God's power was great enough to raise Jesus from the grave, it's certainly powerful enough to help us obey his word. Amen? Like, there's no contest. But it's not just so that you can obey God or will obey God. It's for those things, but it's also so that you will actually want to obey God. Because it says, for it is God who works in you both to will to desire, to have the, the want to obey God's word. And it's kind of like this. This makes me think about Adeline. So this morning, uh, Adeline was struggling to eat breakfast, which is rare because the girl really likes to eat food, like really likes to eat food. But this morning she didn't want to eat her toast and peanut butter and uh, jelly. And she just would like wipe it all over her face and just make a big mess. But she was like distracted and just wouldn't eat it. And so We want her to eat, though, because she gets, like, hangry mad when she doesn't eat. And it is, like, the greatest production and craziness ever. Red face, tantrums, it's really intense. And so it's not good for us when she doesn't eat, and it's not good for her either. So in that moment this morning, I'm just sitting there like, I wish I could make her want to eat. Like, I really wish I could, like, somehow get into her heart and help her see why it is just so good for her to – eat this food for her well-being for our well-being and that she would know like the glory and the goodness of eating a good breakfast and like starting the day with a good meal but i can't do that right (laughs) like i'm sitting there helpless and just like just eat your food just eat your food please just eat your food because i can't do that i can't make that happen but that's exactly what god does like that's the crazy, amazing thing that God actually uses the power that He saved, raised Jesus from the dead with to work in our hearts, to change our desires, to to help us to want these good things for us, to obey Him. Because at the end of the day, it's for His good pleasure, His good purposes, His His good plan for our flourishing and for our life. Because guys. A, a flourishing, thriving community looks like a community who's obeying God's word, is selfless, is in awe of God's work, applying the gospel to our lives and each other's lives, and marked by the gospel. Like, who doesn't want to be a part of that community? And so it's it's for our good and our flourishing that that God works these desires out in our hearts and changes our heart, And so when we struggle to obey God's word, we can rest in the fact that we obey God's word by God's power. That it's not from us just working hard enough, doing good enough, being strong enough to obey, but it's by God's power that we can obey. A community of light obeys God's word by God's power to change God's world. We need God's power to do it. And it's ultimately in response to Jesus' ultimate obedience, which you guys learned about last week. The fact that he came humbly as a servant to be obedient to the point of death on a cross. That work of God through Jesus, risen by the power of Jesus. So just two quick application points for you guys coming out of tonight. Pray to obey God's word by God's power and be marked by the gospel as a community. Pray to obey God's word by God's power and be marked by the gospel as a community. That first one, pray that you would would he would make you in awe of what Jesus did. Like if you're struggling with seeing how the gospel impacts your life and your community, just pray that God would show you the mercy that he has extended to you, the forgiveness that he's extended to you, the love that he's extended to you, and that that would move you to obey and follow him and be marked as by the gospel as a community? Would you apply the medicine of the gospel to each other's lives? That you would, you would see sin in a brother or a sister and you would humbly come to them and say, this isn't for your good. This isn't for your good. Let us... Let's talk about how the gospel impacts that and apply that to each other's lives in humility and grace. Seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Be marked as people that even if you get into a conflict or a disagreement, that you seek how the gospel impacts that conflict. Be marked by the gospel as a community. And I'm encouraged by the way that Paul ends this this chunk of Philippians here. Because he ends this section with verses 17 and 18 with an encouragement to the Philippians. That like, hey guys, if you, if you shine in this way as lights in this dark world, as this community of light, I'll know my labor in you, my work for you was not in vain. It was worth it. Because of the ways that the gospel is changing you and you are shining in the world. And this will bring me rejoicing. I would rejoice in that. And I desire for you also to rejoice in me. Because this kind of living, this kind of community of light leads to joy. Leads to joy in Jesus. Joy in each other following Jesus and growing as a community. And it's an amazing thing. And I, and I stand here encouraged because I know, I don't know many of you. I'd love to meet more of you after tonight. But those that I do know, I'm encouraged I'm encouraged by what I've, I've heard and what I've seen that you guys are living as a community of light. Being at the Salt Banquet earlier this year and hearing the stories of God, the gospel being shared and growth in God's word and growth and desire of reading and all these beautiful ways that obedience of God is growing. And I just sit here thinking, like, imagine if it continues Just imagine if we we take the, the lights, the candles of the gospel that God has worked in us, and that we would continue to go out into our workplaces, into our dorms, into our neighborhoods, and we would just see the light of the gospel fill this dark city with the truth of God and the mercy of God. How amazing that would be. Guys, let's just pray. Let me pray for us all tonight that we would grow to be a community of light who obeys God's word by God's power to change God's world. Father, you are so good to us. You are so wise and gracious and giving and and that though we are people that are works in process that we don't perfect we don't resemble fully your your son, yeah. We are growing in likeness of your son, and growing in a desire to obey you. You work in us, your power. You change our desires. You change our hearts so we would follow you, that we would trust you, and that we would make an impact on the world around us. First, starting with our community here, applying the gospel to each other's lives, and then taking the gospel out of these walls to the people that are needing it out here. We love you, Father, and we pray in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.